forever. Dog. This episode of the Need to Fail is brought to you by gaining 15 pounds. I've gained 15 pounds since the start of quarantine, making my unhealthy body more susceptible to the Corona boner. And there's nothing I'm doing about it. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Need to Fail. My name is Don Finelli. I run this thing. If you didn't know, I'm ending this podcast soon. Uh, In fact, today is technically my final episode with a new guest. It is episode 150, and I will only have six more episodes after this. And they're all follow-ups with past guests. I am checking in with my guests for my short 2012 run of this podcast to see what they've been up to for the last uh, seven or so years. Uh, So I'm going to close this thing out and go full circle with it all. Also, if you didn't know, I now have merch. Yeah, what a great time to present uh, some merchandise to my fans when the store is closing. But I got a Mahalo Your Dreams design up right now on TeePublic that you can throw on a bunch of things. Mugs, T-shirts, they got stuff for the kiddies. Uh, Just go to my SoCal media pages, or you can search uh, The Need to Fail or Mahalo Your Dreams on TeePublic, and it should come up. I had a flash sale last week, but you blew it. You blew it if you missed it. Uh, But feel free to get some goodies now, okay? Let's get to the show. To close out the regular series on this podcast, uh, this is probably one of my favorite conversations I've had in all my time doing this. I mean, I had the honor to talk to my guest, Edgar Montplaisir. Uh, you know him from his podcast, Culture Kings or The Wokest, uh, or rocking it out on Harold Night at UCB LA with his team Leroy. He's been an artist in residence at the Echo Park Film Center. He was a Sundance New Voices Lab Fellow. He's won a ton of awards for his short films. Uh, he was a writer on the Fox show, What Just Happened with Fred Savage and the 71st Primetime Emmys. You can also see him in Gus Van Zandt's film, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot, and NBC's Great News. So I'm going to tell you something. When I was editing this, I usually cut out the kind of opening chit-chat that I have with my guests because it's just kind of a warm-up for us, and I fade it up somewhere you know, where things start cooking. But I, I left a little bit in here because I think I sound ignorant as fuck sometimes. I was listening back. I was like, Jesus Christ. I was cringing, man. Edgar and I were talking about the current state of things at UCB, just kind of catching up on that. Uh, This was right after that Zoom town hall meeting, and I was listening back, and I was like, oh, dude, some of the stuff I was saying, I was trying to relate to Edgar at times as if I've had a similar fucking experience. Fuck off, Don. But uh, to Edgar's credit, let me get some of my boneheadedness out, and I was thinking of cutting this out, but I was like, no, this podcast is about failure. Uh, I feel like my heart is always in the right place. I try to come from a place of empathy and love. I still got a shit ton of work to do, especially when it comes to shutting the fuck up and listening. Even explaining this to you is making this shit about me and not about my wonderful guest. So I'm going to shut up. I'm going to get to it. Here he is, my wonderful guest, my final new guest, Edgar Montplaisir. I'm like afraid of complacency and like uh, not growing. <laughs> like I constantly want to be learning and growing. I, I love that you said that because you know my biggest fear in life is being uh, Chris Gethard and don't think twice. Mm-hmm. And like when he said when he's at the grocery store and somebody treats him like shit, 
He goes, don't yeah. you know who I am? I perform yeah. at this show every Tuesday. And I'm just like, man, <laughs> that's such a sad thing. Like, that's such yeah. a, and like, I mean, and what's so crazy is that Chris Gethard, I don't think in real life is like that at all. He seems like no. someone else who was very much so like, when this shit is dead, <laughs> this shit's dead. Like, he, he ended his show before everybody else wanted him to end his show. So yeah. like. He uh, does stuff uh, on his own terms. Exactly, exactly. And I'm trying to get there, too, of like, you know, I, I've kind of been having that question about UCB in and of itself, especially with everything that's happening, of being yeah. like, is this like, is this something bigger than me telling me that you've right. done it? Like, you know, like, am I going to get right. on ASCAT? Probably not mm-hmm. as long as Carl Tart and Sean Disson are alive. Like, you know, like, right. as, like you know, like, am I, am I, is there another show for me? Is my Herald team going to get graduated? Maybe. But yeah. like. Am I gonna stick along stick around for that answer? Like what's the value then, in that? And that's the shitty thing of what has been going on, which is like you have to think about that. Yeah. You have to go, oh, there's these two guys that they look a little like me. Yes. You know what I mean? And it's like, <laughs> wait a second, whoa, 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 whoa. Like what it was the same thing when like Dan it's not the same, but let me let me take that back. It is not the same thing. I but mean, like, but but go no, with your no example. Put, go with your example. <laughs> no one would put me and Dan Black on the same team. No. And you know what I mean? It's just like, no, 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 they're too similar. They're too similar. And at a certain point where it's like, but we're not. We've yeah. we've improvised plenty of times together. We can be similar. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can sound similar, but we are yes. not similar. No. And so it's it's such a you know, when all this shit started going down, I started having that realization, especially when Sean was talking out and, you know, which he's always been vocal and he's always been very passionate, mm-hmm. but the, I felt so sad, you know, like going through that, listening to that town hall, I was really pissed off to hear a lot of the stories, especially the teachings. Like I take such pride in teaching and, you know, to hear how many teachers just didn't. I guess do the right thing or we're so ill prepared or just fucking assholes or, or got away with it so many times. It was, I just felt embarrassed to fucking be a teacher there, to be honest with you. And I, I mean, you um, know, what's crazy about that is I think that we don't even real. And it's something that Johnny Meeks used to say all the time of like, we don't realize how much power we have yeah, as right. like, you know, coaches and stuff like that. And to even yeah. like illustrate that to you, man, I don't know if you know this, but like hella early in my run in classes, you subbed a a show for me. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You were my. Oh, you wow. gave notes at the end. I can't even remember what classical is like. You know, maybe 2016 or 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right when I moved out, probably. Right when you moved out, and then mm. you gave like you know notes on our class show, and I think you mm. like you like gave like a note on my scene or just like you could be a little bit more grounded or something like that. And I remember mm-hmm. being like, damn, I failed this dude. And what's crazy is <laughs> you had never seen me perform in any other context. Like yeah. it was just that class show. Yeah. And you were just like, yeah. yeah, you know, maybe you could be more grounded. And I walked out of there and being like, man, I failed, bro. I, I, this dude <laughs> that just came in from New York doesn't yeah. think that I'm funny. And it's actually in my, you know, in my in my in my UCB jacket, like it's like it says like Joel Spence has like a note for me that says, I think you care about what we think a little too much. It's mm. like <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a it's it's not the worst thing, but it's also a thing that can hinder you. And and mm-hmm. I would the funny thing is I was probably feeling the same way when I came from New York, like very unfunny and very fish out of water and very hyper aware that I had, I had no interest in just kind of like walking on and being like, well, I've done improv at the other place for seven years and taught there mm-hmm. and kind of did the ass cats. And I, I was just so in my head about that shit. And, and 
truly hated it, but it also paralyzed me from like really assimilating into the community as much as I should have, I think. But also it was like the same thing what you were saying. It was like, am I over this now? Like, is this a sign where I came out here and I tried to dabble in some shows, but like, I just wasn't getting the same shit out of it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I, I think no. I struggled with that for a little while. You know what I mean? Well, I, I mean, you said seven years. I mean, I, I, and I don't know your story, but did you meet your partner there? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, they, they, there's so much of your identity that is wrapped up into this yeah. thing that it, it right. feels it feels wrong to let it go. You know, like it feels yeah, like right. and, that, right. and that's where I'm at, too, of like I met Anna there. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a lot of my you see so many friends, people. Right. You see so many people that are still doing it there, though. You're like, mm-hmm. but they're still doing it. Should I still be doing it? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe it's time to walk away. And also. On the flip of the ASCAT thing, you know, am I holding a spot for another black kid to get mm-hmm. on Herald Night? You know what I mean? Like, right. if I leave, does that make room for another, you know, right. low energy, dry humor black kid to come <laughs> on the Herald Night? You know, who am I in the way of? And it has to be just it, that. If they put a lively dude on though, in right? my spot, if they put a lively dude on my spot, I'm writing a Facebook post. <laughs> No, he has to be low energy, dry humor. <laughs> but isn't that the shitty thing that has been going on that you have to worry about that? Like Absolutely. That has, to, that has to be a thing, which is what I was saying before, which is like, oh, I was so ignorant to the... What, what UCB did for me was give me a place to fail. And it mm-hmm. gave me a place to work my craft. And imagine having... I was like, imagine having to go and put my, you know, walk out and and have the weight of the world on my shoulders that I have to be great now because I represent something more for people. I never walked out and was like, this is for all the, all the Italian kids. You know what I mean? Or like, <laughs> I felt like I had to represent like North Jersey dudes to some extent, yeah. maybe. Because I think I was kind of categorized a lot when I went in there and yeah, people, people really razzed me for it. But like, I never had that weight. I never had that problem. And, and, and I felt so, I was like, oh, to to use the UCB stage and feel the pressure of having to be great right away. That's not what the UCB stage is for. So no wonder so many people of color maybe feel like they are failing in a way when it's just like, no, no, you're supposed to be failing. Like you're supposed to be comfortable up there fucking up and getting the notes. Listen, Harold Knight's a different beast. It's always been on both coasts. I feel like kind of, it, it makes or breaks you a little bit, but Absolutely. then, but then putting that extra pressure on yourself to be like, I have to represent people. You know, I have to rep. I, I, there's something I'm representing here, and I can't look bad. Like that. That's the antithesis of what we should be doing. <laughs> I mean, so, you know, that's fucking would, really hard. Absolutely, and you know, I would actually, you know, even push, you know, like being like, you know, maybe UCB gave you the opportunity to fail on race, and then like, mm. I mean, and maybe that's fucked up of me to say, but like, I know that mm. you know I've been accused of being a little easy. On white mm. people, but like I, I just think that like <laughs> I, I just think that like it would be dope if there was a need to fail for white people to just talk about like times where they were racist <laughs> and shit like that. And, and like <laughs> honestly, bro, and I only say that because I just came out of this like Zoom of all these black dudes talking about all the ways we fail black women, and I was like, this is crazy. This is the yeah. weirdest. Like, there's a PowerPoint presentation and all Jesus, that, and I was wow. like, this is the craziest thing I've ever been in. And I'm not saying that to give myself credit at all, because there was a part of me that was just like, man, we gonna have a PowerPoint for real? Like, this is like, <laughs> but, <laughs> but it was just like, it a little bit. <laughs> of course. I mean, I'm, I'm still myself. And yeah. like, but I, I think that like, 
these conversations need to happen because I do think that's something that is going to be very hard on the other side of this is almost like the same thing with like when you're coaching, you know, when you're coaching and there's that Mm -hmm. one kid in your group who gets it and you Mm -hmm. almost hate that kid more than everyone else. Yeah. I think that, yeah, right. Like that one kid was just like, oh, I know exactly what teacher wants. And you're just like, you really don't. And you need to shut up. (laughs) Like, I think that that is going to happen with, anti-racism and anti-blackness very quickly if we Mm. don't just put in this idea of like you gonna fuck up like you Mm -hmm. know don finelli's gonna do something racist again it's just gonna happen like i think we have to like i'm gonna fail black woman again i'm going to i'm probably gonna do it in like in this podcast so i feel like you know i think we gotta instill that a little bit more of like this idea of like we're not gonna get this shit perfect and we're probably never gonna see the end of this in our lifetime i will die with white supremacy still standing but you know we can maybe do some shit to change it and i think it's i agree and and i think it's part of the culture that we are in now of i was just talking about this with another guest but like i feel like it's like your first draft has has to be perfect. Mm-hmm. Like with Twitter, with Instagram, like we always like our first drafts have to be polished. So it's almost like a stand-up going out there and just like his first time, he feels the pressure to nail it. It's like it's the antithesis of building a joyful and meaningful creative experience, I think. And, Absolutely. And, and then it also robs us about uh, with growing. Like yes. part of the... Part of the pro, my huge, my one of my biggest fears was to offend anybody. Like, that is a true fear of mine. I don't want to make anybody feel uncomfortable. And that's through various things of my past and childhood. But, like, I have a, I hate it. I want everybody in the room to get along. I don't like people fighting. Uh, I don't want to say anything that would make anybody feel horrible right so in doing that sometimes so first of all the stage is very safe for me to kind of go crazy because it feels like a safe environment not that i'm good not that i'm just be like i'm gonna be a racist now it's Mm -hmm. just a place where i feel like i could take bigger swings and commit really hard and and really listen and really react and but in the in the real world it's like i'm deathly afraid of hurting anybody and in doing that it's it's it paralyzes me though sometimes and i can't grow (laughs) But I think it's almost brilliant that you, you that you said that, like, being on stage is where I can be, like, you know, make mistakes and all that and not to be racist. But then there are people who that's what mm-hmm. they, that's where they use that space to do it. And I think it comes right. from this fear of offending. Right. And right. obviously that's not on people of color or anyone like that. But I do think mm-hmm. it comes from that white fear of like, well, I don't want to hurt anybody or offend anybody. Mm-hmm. So we mm-hmm. kind of giggle when someone on stage does it for us. Right. When someone right. takes on that fear for us, we go, he, he, he. like, you know what I mean? Like, I get yep. it. I, I've done mm-hmm. it with risque material. You know, there's certain words and stuff that I, I, I like say because like, ooh, you shouldn't be saying that. But yep. if we yep. just remove that stigma of offending people and be like, you know what? I made a mistake and I have to grow. Those mm-hmm. jokes become less powerful. Those right ideas. It's like, oh yeah, it's not. It's like you know, it's not risky to show somebody heal. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, so right. I don't know. But again, that's you know, somebody's gonna message me and be like, you know what, Edgar, you have you get these white people too much rope, and I'm like, <laughs> hey man, it's subversive. I'm trying to trick them into hanging themselves. <laughs> You just hear me like my legs dangling in like 10 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) You uh, you grew up in New York City, man. Like how long long were you there for? 
Where, where in New York? Were you in Queens or Brooklyn? Where, where I, I was born in Harlem, man. I was born in Harlem. Hell yeah. And then, but most of my memory remembers the Bronx and Yonkers. So I yeah. lived out there until I was like 14 years old. So like, oh man, I, that's awesome. I, I, I claim New York as much as I can. Yeah. But like, I don't have much like. Every time I'm there, what's like, you know, if it's like DCM, everyone's like, yo, how do we get here? How do we get here? And I'm like, I don't yeah. know. I wasn't <laughs> traveling by myself at 14 years old. People are like, oh, are you from New York? Do you know this bar? No, I don't. Because yeah. I was there's 10,000 bars there. Yeah. yeah and I was yeah, 14 and I was years 14. old. <laughs> I wasn't drinking. <laughs> so like, yeah, I was in New York until I was 14. And then when I, when I turned 14, my mom inspired by God, wanted to move out of New York City, and we moved to the mm. border of Mexico, McAllen, Texas. Wow. Did you mm-hmm. know anybody down there or no? No, I did not. I did not know Damn. a single person down there. She knew somebody, kind of, but not really. But yeah, we we just moved out there, and that was kind of just the vibe. Yeah. What does that experience do to you? Like, did that up, like, uproot, you know, just like uprooting your world? Oh, bro. I mean, it fucked me up. I mean, mm. we're talking about like, when I talk about how specific my experience in New York was, I think it kind of blows people's minds. And, like, yeah. I wasn't only at a school for black Americans. I was at a school mm. for mostly West Indian kids. Like, everybody wow. there was either from, like, Jamaica or Haiti or Barbados or the Bahamas. Shit. Like, it was like we would have Jamaican beef patties for lunch every Friday. <laughs> like, it was so yes. close to what I am, you know, because my, my parents are from Haiti. And then I would mm. go to Haitian church every Saturday, you know what I'm saying? And my dad's entire family lived out there. So we would, like, you know, we'd go see his his dad's side of the family in Harlem and his mom's side of the family in Brooklyn. So I had this yeah. very unique, specific black experience. And then cut to McAllen, Texas, where I'm the first black person most of my friends had ever met. <laughs> Jesus. So it was like, it went from being like in this uber specific cut, which I think yeah. is what makes New York so great. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yep. if yep. you wanted to only hang out with Italian people for your entire life in New York City, <laughs> you yeah. can do it. Put a Bensonhurst, baby. <laughs> yeah, you can do it. You could like literally yeah. not meet anybody, not even outside of your race, outside of your ethnicity in New York if you wanted yes. to. That's what's so yes. crazy about it. And yes. then in McAllen, I just turned into black, like just I was I was expected to represent all of it without having a knowledge of any of it. It's almost like your identity is so it's so put under a magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. And it's also at a time when you're trying to f- figure out who the fuck you are, which is what yes. I what I try to tell my friend <laughs> Jesus Christ the the conversations I've had with some of my close friends back at home are coming from the other side, I'll say, is like <laughs> we d- you don't know, man. You can't talk and you just don't know what the experience like picture all the things we went through and then this added thing on top of being looked at differently or f- walking into a place like you're trying to figure out who the fuck you are as as a young man that's baseline fucking difficult <laughs> like yeah. really hard to figure out it's a lot of trial and error and, and i and you know i've i've had my hangups about it and you know i think i was very angry at my mother for a long time about it because sure. I do, I do think that there was a version of myself that was a little bit more comfortable in his black skin and a little bit more mm. comfortable in his blackness that existed in New York. Right. And you know, but that being said, like I don't think I would be in comedy if I didn't have that experience. Really? Like, I, why do you think? Yeah. Why? 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 
I was always a goofy kid and I always wanted to write, but man, mm. like Jesus was my everything out there in New York. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. We would go to church. We would be in gospel mm-hmm. choir, all our youth activities. And like, you know, I went to Christian school my whole life, except for public school when I went to Texas. And I think yeah. that that was like a huge experience for me to kind of realize how awkward and weird I was in comparison mm. to everybody else. That kind of, I think this like, Gave me like you know the the comedic experience of like being like oh this is how I'm gonna fit in is I'm gonna address, uh, like acknowledge and address how awkward I am but I think <laughs> in New York in New York I just I I just would have become like a pastor or something or crazy maybe a, a nurse <laughs> yeah like something something like like uh, something to help people <laughs> yeah not, yeah exactly not not, not laugh <laughs> not not this egotistical dream I'm on to prove to everybody that I'm smarter than them. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> is God still like a part of your life? Do you still, or is it a situation where, I mean, that's a heavy question, I guess. No, it's not a heavy because, question, man. I'll answer it completely honestly. I don't know the answer right now because I think, you know, ask me four years ago, I would have said I'm an atheist, but then today I kind of struggle with it. And I'm not even mm-hmm. on front with you, you know, now that I, if I'm going to be on this podcast, I have to be completely vulnerable. I wrote. <laughs> During work today, I wrote mm. a note, and let me just read this shit to you, bro. It's yeah, like I'm so it. embarrassed. I said, so this is during work. I wrote, dear God, I am begging you, please mm. let there be a vaccine. Please let it come soon. <laughs> I think the world is ready to do the work that you are asking us to do. We just need the space to do it. Lord, please mm. give us that space. I know we didn't appreciate the freedom we had, but we appreciate it now. Please move us forward to do the work we need to change. And, like, I, that was just me coming from just, like, conversations at work about, like, yo, man, like, oh, how are we going to shoot? And, like, you know, like, and just yeah. being, like, man, we've been in this shit forever. I went to Florida this weekend. Or, like, yeah. last week I just came back from Florida. Like, it's just, like, I'm yeah. tired of it at this point that yeah, I was, like, man, let me just write a prayer. <laughs> and I haven't done that yeah. in so long, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's all it's. I'm with you on that. I I, got, I go back and forth with it, and it's usually those times where it's super desperate. Where I grew up, you know, Roman Catholic, and mm-hmm. it I was an altar boy and all that shit, and and really had a close relationship, and and then it was just easier to. I felt like it was almost easier to fade away or get smart about it, and realize that I was so offended by the dogma of it and how much it. <laughs> isolated folks and, and how Absolutely. based in fear it was. So I Absolutely. think I get very offended by it. And then hearing s- stories of people that were close to me that were abused and it really hurt me and it, and it, it really fucked me up. And, and I really wanted to distance distance myself from it, but it was always those times of desperation that you were so programmed as a kid yes. to ask for that higher power. So Absolutely. it's a beautiful note. I mean, it's pure, it's pure, it's desperation, right? It's like yeah, absolutely. But ain't shit gonna change. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. there's no vaccine coming tomorrow because of my note. Now, if tomorrow, Don, if tomorrow this vaccine comes, though, you got to drop this episode early and say, guys, you're not gonna believe it. I promise. I promise. But you're 100 percent right that like it's just it comes from this desperation. It comes from. I mean, somebody was telling me that codependency and being raised religious are like so closely yeah. linked and i was yep. like fuck that fucked me up yep oh man dude i, I haven't heard that and that hit me hard <laughs> that's, that's so true <laughs> jesus you're so attached to this thing that you can't see that you believe is there and you absolutely and 
and I don't know about you, but you felt it before, you know, there's like a connection that you feel when you're there and it's the energy I think of the community and it's the energy of faith and it's the energy of truly believing. So it teaches you a lot of things and, and you know, you're taught like really in your times that need to ask and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, asking you shall receive kind of thing. And sometimes it happens and sometimes it doesn't. And, and there's a lot of distraction that comes with all the other stuff that goes around it and the amount of, yeah, just I've, I've done a deep dive into philosophy lately and just seeing all the other religions out there and seeing like what people are coming back to and man, do things just get distorted and it's usually we're all kind of thinking and needing the same shit, you know, we're just saying yeah. it in different languages. We're just saying ways. in different ways, but it's all comes back to the same shit of just us trying to grapple with why am I here Yeah, and am I only here to experience pain? Like, you know what right. I mean? Like, it, like it, that is at right. the center, I think, of almost every dogma I've come across is, yeah. if I'm here, why is it so shitty? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And we just grapple with it in different ways. And it's like, is it shitty so when I do feel love, I want love? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Meaning, like, is is the pain and the struggle and the journey so when the those experiences, those kind of pops of joy and happiness and love happen that we truly appreciate them. Yes. Or is it just like, those are just fading and that's sadness there too. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like the joy and sadness, it's usually misery. And, and maybe, maybe we're just speaking from ourselves. Or other people are like, damn it, you guys are depressed. But yeah. It's like, everyone's just like, what the fuck is this episode? <laughs> <laughs> is this the need to fail? The fucking need to sad, man. Yeah. <laughs> But you're 100% correct. And like, you know, like every like, you know, with Christians, it's just like, yeah, this is all shitty. But man, on the other end, oh, boy, it's the best. Like, you know what I mean? And like, and I don't know. I don't know any of the other ones that deep. But I feel like Buddhism is just like, no, it's shitty. But also you can make Mm -hmm. something great out of it. Like you, you are in charge of your existence and you're in charge of like knowing all of that. And once you accept that things are shitty and it's not in your control, you know, shit can get better. And it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, I always go back to acceptance, man, and it, it's such a powerful thing. And it's it's a it's it, to resolve yourself in the face of either hurt or sadness or pain is scary and almost feels like a defeat, almost feels like a failure. But there there is a, this kind of elation that comes when you do accept the kind of shit that's in front of you at the moment that you can't control. Which is why I go back to stoicism sometimes. Although there's aspects of that where I'm like, that's fucking insane. But mm-hmm. like. There's something about like the things that you can get, which, you know, you've listened to the podcast. I talk about it a lot with people. It's like, yeah, how do you, how do you push through shit? It's like, well, I'm going to do the things I can control. I'm going to do yeah. the things that are in my hands and that no one else is telling, no one else can tell me I can't do with it, with, with this journey, when you, when you decided to, to move out here and stuff where there. What's your relationship with failure? Do you use that word or is it more like setbacks for you? Is it, no, did you I want to quit the, at certain points? Or oh, oh man. Well, man we, I mean, yes, this is, this is it. Like, let's get into <laughs> it. Like I, Ooh, I, I think I'm trying to find a way to say this. That is respectful to what happened to me. But mm. like, I think, Truly, my friend, like when I moved out here, I moved out here on a high. Like, I was like one of the best kids in my film school. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I went to a very small film school, so that's not impressive at all. But, like, <laughs> I was. But you felt I, it. You, you I felt it. it. I was just yeah. like, I was one of the funniest dudes in my improv group. 
And yep. like a teacher of mine was just like, man, I believe in you so much. I'm going to give yep. you $2,000 to move to LA. Like he gave me wow. two, like people were just hyping me up. And I was like, I'm coming down here to be the dude. Wow. And like, you know, I was doing stand up a little bit and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And you were feeling like, it. I was feeling it. And then mm-hmm. about a month and, you know, two months into me being here, my best friend took his life. Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry, man. It's all good. It's all good, you know. And, like, I think for me, how I mishandled that kind of opened me up to the idea of failure. Because mm-hmm. I am still wrestling with letting go of the idea that his death is like one of the biggest failures of my life. And I completely oh, understand that it was not. I I get that. You know what I mean? Like there's those things where yeah. you're like, you know, like how you could like watch your partner do something and go, I logically understand that this has nothing to do with me, but right. I'm fucking mad. Like, you know what I mean? Like yep. it's like that mm-hmm. kind of shit. It's, it's hard like, for it not to affect you in a deep way. Absolutely. So like, you know, I've had therapists explain it to me. I've had Anna explain it to me. I've had other exes explain it to me of being like, look, this is all the ways that this shit is not your fault. But I think just the way that I held on to that kind of like opened me up to being like, man, there's just some shit that you can't undo. Uh, And Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why I explain it as like one of my biggest failures is we, you know, he, he, he had struggled with drugs Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know he was he was a, he was a gay Asian man. You know we both mm-hmm. grew up in McAllen, Texas, together. And hey, everybody, this is the B Man OBW from the World Record Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that me and my co-host, the A Train, aka Hershey Hellman, took over office hours live this week. We came into the studio. We made it our own. We wrecked the place. I stole one of Tim Heidecker's guitars. So check out Office Hours Live on your podcast app of your choice or at youtube.com slash Office Hours Live this week and see what happens. Or go to worldrecordpodcast.com and you can watch the videos or join the Patreon, patreon.com backslash worldrecordpodcast. Enjoy the show! At some point, he was like the one dude from our group who stayed in McAllen, Texas. You know, know, my Mm -hmm. brother went to Michigan to go to Mm -hmm. school. I moved out here to California, like to go to college and then go to, you know, move to L.A. His sister had moved up like, you know, north in Texas to like do school. Like he like quickly became the last person of our core group to be there by himself. Even like some of the like even some of the kids from his college kind of started moving on and doing other things. So I think there was loneliness that he felt. So when he started fucking around with drugs, he would just like call, call me at like random points of time. Like yeah. two in the morning and three in the morning, just talking to me about philosophy. Yeah. And at some point, you know, this was like my super senior year in college. And I was like, you know, I got to get this shit done. Like, I just felt <laughs> all this pressure to, like, make sure that I didn't stay for sixth year because that was a very real yeah. possibility. I was taking like <laughs> right. 24, 25 credits a quarter because that's how oh, far Jesus behind God. I was. I mean, wow. college is another big failure of mine in that I just don't think that. I realized the opportunities that I had in my freshman year, man, I'm just telling you, like I would be sitting in class and my homeboys <laughs> would text me and be like, smoke weed. And I'd be like, mm, 
get up, go to the bathroom, not coming back. Just go smoke. Like, my uh-huh. last year of college was, these are the classes that I took. English 101, like, intro to science. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I was, yeah. I was this 22, 23-year-old yeah. kid with these 18-year-olds, and they were all looking at me like, why is he in this class? It was because I skipped all of that shit. Like, I just didn't do it. And that was like my final, my fifth year of college was just doing all of those classes. So I felt this immense amount of pressure. Mm -hmm. Also, at the time, I was working, and this is something else that I think, you know, uh, you know, remind me to get back to this. I was working on the senior thesis that was Mm -hmm. a feature length movie. Oh, wow. So I had like all this pressure on me and all that. And that's not to justify what I did. But in the end, I was just like, kind of like, yo, man. You got to stop calling me unless yeah, you I'm check busy. in. <laughs> yeah, unless you check in somewhere. Yeah. Like, unless gotcha. you check in somewhere, we're not mm. talking. Right. And so that's kind of how that went. And I think he checked in somewhere. Maybe he did. But he ended up coming to my college graduation. And oh, wow. so, yeah, and we had a great time. And my mom had bought me this shirt for the ceremony. And he was like, I think one night we went out partying, like, right before graduation. Like, a bunch of us all went and got drunk. And for some mm-hmm. reason, he was wearing the shirt. And he's like, I really like this shirt. I look good in it. And I was like, motherfucker, don't you take that shirt. <laughs> like, I'm telling you, Dwayne, that shirt is my shirt. And the day he left, when I dropped him off at the train station, I looked in my bag. The day after I came back home, I looked in my bag, and I couldn't find the shirt while I was packing my up my dorm room. And I called yeah. him and I yelled at him, bro. I yelled at him yeah. hella hard of being like, man, why the fuck did you take that shirt? Yada, yeah. all this stuff. And the shirt was just somewhere else, which like, again, a lesson I still haven't learned. I still do that till this day. If I lose my mm-hmm. car keys, immediately I go, where did Anna put them? Yeah, right. And right. then it's it's always like in the pocket of a jacket that I wasn't thinking. I do about. the same thing, man. <laughs> I always go, where could where it be my fault? Person, it's no way it's my fault. Someone is yeah. fucking with me. I'm smart. So, I put them where I put them at the same exactly, spot every day. I'm smart. Exactly. No, exactly. No, 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 no. I'm a genius. I don't dabble in <laughs> key <Yeah>. losing. But. <laughs> Flinging. <laughs> so then, you know, that was that was the last time we ever talked vocally and ever oh, saw man. each other. Yeah. And so, you know, that was, you know, a few months later, he texted me on September 11th, which was his birthday. And was just like, hey, man, what are you up to? And I was just like, nothing, man. Just chilling. How about you? He's like, this has been a little down, but I'm coming out to California in a few days. And I was like, man, once you get to California, everything will be better. Those are the last yeah. words I've ever said to that dude. Yeah. And he killed himself like six days after that. Damn. And I still think about the fact that it was his birthday, and he was clearly texting me to be like, it's my birthday. You going to say anything? Right. And all I said to him is just like, man, later, everything gets better. And I think right. about the shirt. You know what I mean? I think about yeah. not being there for him when he was on drugs. And I just held that as such, you know, a failure on myself. Like, right. So right when I moved here, I just started drinking and smoking mm-hmm. and just being really mean to myself. You know what I mean? Yeah. I was you wanted engaged. to punish yourself. Absolutely. I was engaged yeah. and that shit just fell apart. Like I just like Oh wow. Yeah, I was engaged real young. And like I, I, I just took it really hard on myself and I think it's because I wanted to be responsible for what happened. Yeah. 
Right. And I mean, I don't even know. I don't even know if I've fully processed it. I don't know if I if I if I'm being really honest with you, if like yeah. I if I've really let go of how it wasn't my fault. You know, I right. think one of the things that helps sometimes is realizing that my brother Jonathan, who was also his best friend, feels mm-hmm. the same exact way that I do. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like was it's he like when reaching you meet- out to Jonathan as well. Yeah. 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 And I've never talked to Jonathan about his experience with it all and if Jonathan ever stopped talking to him, but could you talk to anybody at that time? Like could you or was it too was it a, a wound that was too new? That. You know, I'll say this. I was talking to the wrong people. I wasn't talking to mm. the people that I should be talking to. Here's gotcha. who I was talking to. I'll be at a bar and there'll <laughs> be like someone, a dude there at the bar and I would just open up. <laughs> yeah. I'm being 100 with you. I would just open the yeah. fuck up and yep. we would just talk. And then my roommates would go, hey, man, are you good? Yeah, I'm good. My girlfriend yeah. would go, my fiance, you know, be like, are you good? Yeah, I'm good. And then some yeah. random ass person at the bar, I would just open up or like, yeah. and or like, you know, Someone who was like someone that like, this was like a very common thing for me, like because it happened right as I was introducing myself to peace. Uh, I was introducing myself to UCB. I'll be at like yeah. one of those improv parties, and me and this person would just have this hella deep conversation where I'm talking about all this stuff. And yeah. then the next day, I see them at the inner sanctum and just not look at them in the eyes. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. So yeah, it, was it like, makes it makes a lot of sense because they don't know you, so therefore they can't judge you as hard as the people that love you. You exactly. know what I mean. Because exactly. you don't want the people that love you to judge you and, and shun you and, and tell you that you're bad. Although you want them to tell, it's almost like you don't want them. It's like a mind trick. It's like you want them to tell you that you suck and that you're a horrible person, but you kind of know they won't so yes. that you avoid talking about it with them in a weird way. And it's yes. like, oh, I'll tell this random person. He'll tell me I'm a fucking horrible person. Like, or it just doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. You're you're one hundred percent right, man. You're. I, I had a therapist tell me that he was just like you use opening up as a punishment on yourself, mm. and you know, I mean, maybe that's why I won't be on this podcast so bad. I don't know. Let's not examine it, Don. But like, <laughs> we're doing it. <laughs> it's just. I I think like it's just easier than like you said. Like when someone knows you, they can they can they can fight those distortions. Yeah, because they know you, you know, Anna knows me and can be like, I know that that wasn't the intent of your actions or I know that that wasn't like that there was other stuff. And like she can bring in all that context. But some dude at the bar is just like, yeah, man, it sounds like you really let down your friend, man. You want a shot of whiskey? Like, you know, like, so how long ago was this? This is 2014. Yes. I mean, this is still new, man. And it's like, I feel like when people hear this, they want to try to help. And I've been trying to be. I've listened to myself back on this podcast, try to give advice. And it's, I always cringe because it's like, who the fuck am I first of all? But mm-hmm. also it's like, sometimes people just need to, sometimes you just need to listen. And sometimes it's what I, instead of advice, I'm always like, maybe it's okay that the wound is still open and yeah. it just hasn't healed yet. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it just might not he- have healed yet. Like you, we've all gotten scrapes and cuts that take time at different times to heal. And sometimes there's scars, man. And you know what I mean? Like it's never going to fully like you, you, you get something that's cut deep on you, you know, it takes a while to heal and then there's a scar and there's a reminder there. So it's like the acceptance of that might be, just take a while. And, 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 I, and that's I, okay. I, I think you <laughs> that's nailed just it, okay. <laughs> I think you nailed it, bro. Because I remember, you know, there was a part of me that flirted with the idea of like, should I move back to Texas? Like, is that what mm-hmm. this is? Like, is this a call to go right. home? And his dad yeah. pulled me aside and he said, 
you, your brother, and his sister, but he also called it like we all call each other brother and sister. Like, so he's like your sister, but he's talking about Dwayne's sister. He was just yeah. like, y'all have to succeed now. Like mm. that's all this, this means that you guys have to go and out and do something with your lives. Cause if you don't, yeah. then my son's death was for nothing. He said that shit right. to me. Damn. And I think that that just fucked me up, but it also made me realize of what he's saying. of just like, how can we not take this as a moment to you know realize what we have and what's crazy yeah. is he just passed away a few months ago his dad did yeah hmm. and you know watching that funeral on zoom which bro we gotta <laughs> talk about that <laughs> oh, wow <laughs> zoom funerals are it's a different vibe it's a different vibe when somebody is singing out their heart yeah you know singing this beautiful song that you know means something to you know the deceased, but they forgot mm-hmm. to unmute their microphone. Yep, and <laughs> you watch that whole thing like you watch that person belting and hitting it hard, and you're just like everyone's like hitting type oh, on the chat, hella hard, being like your mic is muted, your mic, but they can't see you, they can't see oh, you because geez. they're singing their heart out right. for the deceased, and then they finally realize it and they have to do it again. Oh no. <laughs> Did that really happen, man? That shit really happened, bro. When she sang it the second time, I was like, I know it's not as good as the first. I just I mean, know that. Were you like the sick fuck at some, uh, like, listen, like, I went to so many, I talk about this with friends, like, especially with Laura. Laura's like, I never went to funeral. First of all, like, my parents had 70 best friends. And, yes. like, they were just so social. And yes. anytime people died, and I had, like, a big family, big Italian family, some of my Italian, some, like, a, an old tradition is to take a picture of the deceased. So sometimes, like, people were taking pictures of an open casket. Bro. And I was so fucking young seeing so many dead people. It fucked me up, man. But there was, me and my sister would fuck around. Like, the only Absolutely. way we could get by is to fuck around. We had a laugh. Like, there's always something at funerals that goes wrong, that's yes. so inappropriate. Like, someone... Someone like cries too hard, too fast, too loud at the wrong time, and it's just funny as shit. <laughs> I mean, uh, uh, that's how I was taught to cope. I mean, my dad, right. <laughs> when we were really young, like maybe I was in the third grade, his brother and my mom's cousin drowned together, and Whoa. and in the Hudson, I I'm, I say the Hudson because I'm pretty sure it was the Hudson, but I'm not sure. Oh, no. no one to investigate, but I'm pretty sure it was the Hudson. It's the Hudson yeah. where you go and park all those boats, right? Like, you mm-hmm. know what I'm talking about? When you're driving on the, what yeah, highway like the, is that? But yeah, it's all those boats highway? just parked? Yes, thank you. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it was the Hudson. And so, like, yeah, he had it. He, mm-hmm. he had his boat parked out on the river and had that, like, dinghy or whatever. And yeah, was going basin. to it. And mm-hmm. it flipped. And they both weren't wearing their life vests. They both were trying <sighs> to save each other. And they drowned. And you know that river oh, is cold as shit. So, like. That's, oh, man. So, they drowned out there. And I remember... When we were going to the funeral, like in the limousine, like the limousine came and picked us up. My dad was all like, what's wrong, man? He's just like, I'm sad. I miss Uncle Lionel. And my dad was like, well, he's in the back of this. We can just put him right next to you if you want. <laughs> like, that's my dad talking about his dead brother. <laughs> he's like, I can put him right here, right next to you if you need. Will that cheer you up? <laughs> uh-huh. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, bro. And I remember at Dwayne's funeral, like I told you, his birthday September 11th, and there was a pastor yeah. that they asked to speak for his funeral. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Me and Jonathan, we still talk about this shit. It makes us laugh. Jonathan's my brother. He goes... Yeah. 
he goes, you know, God had a message in Dwayne's life for us. Do you know that Dwayne's birthday is September 11th? Do you think that's an accident? And he had a slideshow and cut to the next slideshow. And the next slide was the Twin Towers burning. And he went, I think not. Then my brother and I were like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) You can't make this shit up. Seriously. Like this happens all the time, though. It's amazing. First of all, like another PowerPoint, like (laughs) yet another slideshow. Mm-hmm. At a funeral? At a funeral, bro. <laughs> I keep running into these slideshows. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go to a wedding where there's a slideshow one day. This is going <laughs> to happen to me. Death has been kind of present in your life, man. That's got to, I mean, it's got to make you reevaluate things. It's got to. I mean, I think it does, but I think the follow through can be a little bit hard because then, like, yeah, you know, right. like one of the ways that we deal with grief is making ourselves busy and all of that stuff. Yeah, right, but I remember right. when my grandpa died, me and my brother, we, we're not really close. And we're mm-hmm. working on that now, but when my grandfather died, which was January of 2014, which makes mm-hmm. 2014 the worst year of my life because Dwayne died <laughs> September 2014, right. he, like, I remember me and my brother were at the funeral, and, you know, I was just like, you know what, Jonathan, I think that this is a message that we we need to end this beef. And he was just mm-hmm. like, I agree, man. Like, this isn't worth it, man. Like. I don't want to come to your funeral and realize that we weren't close. And I was like, me too, man. Yeah. And then we didn't talk to each other until Twain's funeral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, we That's just... the reality of it though, man. Like, yeah, like for real. sometimes, sometimes you like get that passion out and then life happens and there's still fear there. And mm-hmm. there's still like, Oh man, we were both vulnerable in that state, but like, let's just be hush hush about it. And, Yep. And you said you never really talked to him about Dwayne's, like what he was going through as well. Nah, I haven't. I mean, he was yeah. the person who called me and told me. So mm. he was present for my freak out and like, you know, kind of yeah. like I went to instant denial and I was yelling at him, calling him a liar and all this stuff. Cause I just, uh, I just yeah, didn't right. want to believe that it was real. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, right. Cause he didn't, min- he didn't mince words. He just like, I woke up to like 20 missed calls from him and my oh, boy man. Rufus and just yeah. answered and then you know heard that but no nah, i haven't really yeah. talked to him but about yeah. it and maybe i should i'll put that on my goal list and then obviously <laughs> i won't do it i, I don't know if but, it's part of the healing process you know what i mean to kind of it could be gap, a huge but, move yeah it maybe, could be a huge know. move but Here i am giving fucking advice again i don't know what the fuck nah I'm man about. i think i mean i brought it up so you're, you're just doing you're just doing you man I, I i also as someone who listens to your podcast i've never ever thought that the advice that you give is bad i've always thought <laughs> wow. that the advice okay. i've always thought the advice that you give is very pertinent in the moment and also just like you're just someone i mean that's why i think so many people are fascinated with this podcast is because like anytime I like talk to like someone who's like, yo, what should I do with my career and all that stuff? I'm like, you know, listen to this podcast because mm-hmm. I think that your interest in failure is just so like it, it helped me with my career, bro. I'm not even gonna front. Like, because it just made me realize that everyone I respect has been where I'm at at some point. Right, right. Yeah. Thank you. Um it's that's the whole point of it, man, is to uh, the whole goal was like if one person hears this and is about to quit and they hear this and they go oh fuck you know what i'm not alone i'm gonna keep moving forward i did my job you know what i mean yeah like that's all i wanted to do like because I've, I've felt it so many times and didn't totally have a resource to kind of keep that motivation so it was all internal it was all like 
well, probably external trying to read other, but like, you know, you're kind of frantically being like, someone give me a sign. And it's so funny because you were like, you know, was this a sign that I should move back? And I wonder if our like Christian backgrounds and, you know, upbringings, we always look for signs. You know what I mean? I've looked for signs so many times and I think it's misguided me sometimes. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's, it's, it, I don't know it if that's a religious you. thing, but yeah. It absolves you a choice. It absolves you yeah, responsibility right. and accountability, right? Because I know I go, I saw a sign and that's why I did that. But it's just like, oh, nah, that's I, brilliant, I, man. Yeah, that's brilliant. I, I did yes, that because exactly I'm scared. I did that because I'm like, you know what I mean? Like, I was trying to use Dwayne's death as an excuse to not go and do the hard thing of going back to LA and picking up my life again and trying to chase my dreams. Like, yeah. And Dwayne's dad was just like, nah, man, you're not, you're not finna do that with my kid. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, I don't know, man. I, I, I think that you're right that, like, you know, death to me, something that I say before every Herald show, and it's completely lame and it's completely stupid, but it is very mm. important to me, is, mm. like, and I say it so that I stop, you know, I can get anxious sometimes before shows, but I mm-hmm. say, one day a bird's going to poop on your grave and nobody's going to clean it. And, like, <laughs> I think it just to remind myself that so much of this shit that we think matters doesn't matter. My Herald audition was on September 11, 2016. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. And like, I walked into there being like, bro, like, this shit doesn't matter. Yeah. And, and that's not to say that this dude died so I can do improv. <laughs> yeah. But, no, I know. I know. But I, I think it really did have me feel some type of way of like, it's okay. Yeah. Like, it's completely okay. That was the only time I've ever auditioned. Mm. Like, and like, you know, I got my second audition, like the 14th, and I heard that I was on a team the day, the anniversary of his death. Wow. And like, it just like, that shit, like, and not on some sign shit, but on just some, like, you know, one of my favorite things I've ever read from Will Hines is like, he was like, someone wrote him a letter and was mm-hmm. like, hey, this audition is on the same weekend as my friend's wedding. Mm-hmm. Should I miss my friend's wedding for this Herald audition? Yeah. And Will Hines was like, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> no. What? Are you insane? Yeah. I know. <laughs> There's only one of that wedding. Herald auditions will come back. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. like, I think that that's something that I'm trying to tell myself is like, these shows these writing experiences and all that, obviously, I'm so thankful that I got to be on Herald Night. Like, mm-hmm. the people that I've met is amazing. Mm-hmm. Every writing job I've ever had, I'm so thankful for. But these experiences, there will be so many of them. Yeah. It's hard to know that. That's the faith part, I think. And it's such a powerful mantra because I think we, especially people that have been around death or have experienced death in their life cl- in a close way, it's almost like, you th- you would think it's like oh man time's running out and i don't have mm-hmm. an it's 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 a, it's a mindset of abundance right like there's a i have there's enough rather than scarcity right which is fear based yes. which is like there's never enough there's not enough time there's not enough opportunities there's not enough xyz right but it but switching that mindset such a powerful thing that you did and i'm sure it helped you in your fucking audition to be almost lucid or at least clear and take the pressure off. Like I've been on the other side and I've seen the weight on people's shoulders as they audition and I've felt it auditioning. So it's like, I know the weight is there and I go like, Oh, you're in your head and 
you're really you're really feeling people looking at you right now, which is what like bad acting is. Like you can tell like they know the camera's there and yep. they're not lost in the moment, right? But doing taking the pressure off yourself to be like, this doesn't fucking matter. Cause it doesn't, even though we put so much pressure and I think it's like we put so much effort and time that we feel like we deserve the outcome to be positive. And I think that's yes. the whole point of failing is to realize to get to almost that point that you got to right there, which is like, it doesn't matter. There's going to be another opportunity. It's such a powerful moment. I mean, and that's something that like, you know, like I think that I'm trying to adjust to and understand and work on is kind of like, you know, like I've also been on the other side now and haven't watched auditions, you know, like when you like, there's that person that you're rooting for and he's yeah. like, oh, they about to crush. Yep. And then you watch them and you go, who the fuck was that? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Yep. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. like, who the fuck was that? And yep. it, it's blown my mind to just be like, man, like we are so afraid mm-hmm. of pain. Mm-hmm. We are so mm-hmm. afraid of pain that we will do stupid <laughs> shit. It's almost like when there's like glass on the floor or something and you like do like some stupid like jump across yep. to like not cut your foot. That's kind of how we do as human beings. <laughs> When yes, we're sir. like, that's like what these, that's what these hair auditions are. Is like yep. this person just like becomes this insane person because they're so afraid of yep. like fucking up. Yeah, they start I've never seen up. that move and from you. I've never seen you do this. Like it's all that no. like just bending their bodies I, I, in a weird ass way. <laughs> it, it it just blows your mind and like, yeah, I don't know, man. The pain aspect of it, avoiding pain, has been so present in my life. Like. Again, and that's all from experiences, right? Like you have pain in your life from loss and probably other things, right? From your experiences. Mm-hmm. A whole life's worth of of pain. Everybody has this life's worth of pain. And we don't want to feel it anymore, man. And But it's almost coming to terms with, which is why I kind of started feeling the Buddhist side of things, which is like, no, no, no. This is always going to be here. This is part of life. Yes. It's, it's a reminder that yes. you're living. And I think yes. it does make you appreciate the moments where <clears throat> you can be really um, lost in love and, and having a child, man, opens up this whole other compartment of love as well man, that you did not know I'm existed. Excited, bro. It's, I'm it's excited, bro. It's a real trip, man. And it's a real, man, do, do, I walk out of a room sometimes putting her down to sleep, just singing to her, having her like put her head on my shoulder. It's just like, oh, this is what life's for. Like this is the meaning mm. of life is this level of connection and love. And this is, this is what it's about. This makes the pain of like her throwing fucking food at me and, and slapping my teeth, you know, like this makes it all worth it. It's always all, I walk out oh, every night. Whoop, it's all worth it, man. It's all worth it. <laughs> Do not tell Anna, but I am so excited for that moment. <laughs> like I don't tell Anna at all. I've been playing tough guy. I've been like kids. <laughs> not She's me, not listening but- to this episode. <laughs> she won't so i know i'm good but <laughs> i i want i i definitely want that and i'll i mean something else that i think about the pain thing and what you're saying is just like i think something that we have a hard time especially some someone like myself who struggles with mental health issues and stuff mm-hmm. like that is we kind of convince ourselves that this pain is always mm-hmm. and that this pain will always be there mm-hmm. and i think Sometimes as an artist, we can become obsessed with having to be in pain mm-hmm. to create art. 
Yep. But I remember something that my ex fiance shared with me that I, I think will always stick with me is how, uh, what's that dude who cut his ears off? Van Gogh. Van Gogh. He, yep. he made his best work in recovery. Yeah. And because I was like so against taking meds. Like that was mm-hmm. another thing. After Dwayne died, like I was so against taking my meds. Yeah. I would have them prescribed to me and I would just toss them in the toilet, bro. Like wow. I was just so against it. Why why, why were you I against thought, it? Was it like was it weakness? I or thought it failure? would affect my artwork. Mm. Yeah. I, I, I convinced myself that I would like, you know, stop being good because so much of my work came from pain. <laughs> yeah. And here's two reasons why that's stupid. One <laughs> I was only doing stand-up and improv at that time. So yeah. Yeah. the idea that I needed to be in pain <laughs> to do improv is truly fucking dumb. Like, it's truly, and, like, that's no disrespect to improv. I do no. think it's an art form. I think it's great. But the idea that I needed to be a sad man yeah, so I right. could go on stage and do goofy-ass voices <laughs> is dumb as shit. Like, <laughs> Yeah. It's uh-huh. so stupid. Yeah, there's no painful artist in there. It's like fucking scared, insecure people. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a bunch of people who weren't cool in high school <laughs> yeah. who now have the time to be gods. Like, I don't need to be a painful, painful, yeah. painful man to get through that. And then second, I wasn't getting shit done. Mm, I wasn't right. getting shit done because I was fucking depressed. I was yeah. fucking sitting in the same underwear for five yeah. days ordering. Yeah domino's pizza right in like a very disgusting apartment right with Be- two other the dudes. shit out of yourself too like self absolutely just such like it's impossible sometimes there's creativity when you hate yourself but i feel like there's all st- it's mostly stagnation and it's mostly absolutely avoidance and i think that maybe now what i'm realizing talking to you is that the failure wasn't Dwayne dying it was how i handled it afterwards mm. was you know not taking care of myself not being there for myself and it took you know, a really dark moment, you know, and I, and I don't want to be too descriptive of what it was, but it took like me hitting absolute rock bottom, bro. Yeah. To like, you know, like on the phone with suicide hotline type shit oh, man. to like realize like, I gotta, I gotta clean up my act. I gotta, I gotta make a change. Like I have yeah. to be in therapy. I have to do all those things. And yeah. like, yeah. It's it's a another powerful moment in your life because you're kind of staring. You're close. You're close to. You're close to giving. You know, it, it's it's a, it's such a moment where you, know, you can go either way with that, and you know, I'm we're happy you're here. You know what I mean? Oh, well, thanks, thanks, man. I mean, that was years ago, so you know, I'm. It's still, I'm in, it's still I'm in a, a better place now. Of course, but it's like you had to get to that point, unfortunately, and that's the sad part of it. But being at that point, you chose to, you know, you chose life, man. And that's like scary as shit. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy. And I've been at that point, you know, multiple times in my life, you know, if I'm being completely frank with you. And yeah. like, I think that like, you're right. It's like. I don't want to sit here and say that suicide is the easiest choice because that's completely disrespectful to the disease and the disorder that it is. Yeah. I do think, however, for me, it was me being afraid to take the hard part of healing myself. Yeah. 
for me. I can't speak for anybody else. I definitely will not sit here and say, as someone who has lost somebody, mm-hmm. that someone who kills himself takes the easy way out. That's no. bullshit. No, I'm and with you, man. It's it's not an understanding. And like, I even go a step further to like, for me, like, obviously, I make jokes about kill, people killing themselves and all that stuff all the time. <laughs> right. But like, to me. When suicide is at play, I don't care who you are. You could call me nigger yesterday. If I heard that you were about to kill yourself, like to me, it's like that's not like I'm I'm there. I'm, I'm with there you. For you. I support. Like mm-hmm. if Donald Trump killed himself today, mm-hmm. I would be like, look, everyone who's saying jokes about this, I don't think that they're funny. Yeah, and right. like so, I 100 percent don't think that it's a cowardly choice or anything like that. But I yeah. will say, however, for me, it came from fear mm. of what it would take to heal myself. Yeah. And I still, and like, this is not to say that I've recovered from that fear. I still struggle with it. Like, I mean, this last week I had to admit to myself, like, yo, I'm not really, I'm replacing actually going to therapy, which like with memes, like with those like little <laughs> therapy memes that everybody shares. I'm just yeah. like, this is what codepend. I'm like, this is, I, this is not therapy. I need yeah. to go back into therapy. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like it, 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 it's a forever journey. Why'd you stop? What, what was it? Was it COVID that happened or something like that? Or was it COVID was a big factor. Like yeah. my therapist and I, the relationship or mm-hmm. I should call her my life coach. Cause mm-hmm. she was like in training, mm-hmm. but like we would like go on walks. Mm-hmm. It was like, it was so dope, man. We would That's go awesome. on walks and we would talk mm-hmm. and then COVID happened. And she reached out to me and was just like, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not in a space where I can handle that right now. Mm-hmm. And I was like, bet, but I let myself off the hook. Yeah. And I stopped doing what I needed to do. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, she clearly communicated to me, yeah. find somebody else. And I use that. Like, you know what I mean? When you're like, when someone like, it's just like, yo, like, it's like if you were like supposed to go to the doctor and someone, somebody was going to give you a ride and you're like, actually, I'm so sorry. I can't give you a ride. Yeah. And you're like, shit, I guess I'm not going to the doctor. It's like, nah, man, you still got to go to the doctor. <laughs> like, you still, that appointment was important. Right. But. You're like, oh, well, they couldn't give me a ride anymore. So it's like, yeah, but they didn't have to go to the doctor. Yeah. You had to go to the doctor. <laughs> like, she, she doesn't need to therapize me. I need therapy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's this avoidance, man. It's, it's it's like we just don't want – I'm so with you because I avoid the things that help me so many so much. And there's such a self-hatred mm-hmm. involved with that. And it's almost like I don't mm-hmm. deserve it or I'm still carrying some burdens of my past with me. And it's – you just avoid looking in the mirror – and it's yeah. like, it's a different mirror, man. It's not like the one in your fucking bedroom. It's like the mirror goes to your soul and it, and you see all the rotting parts and maybe, 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 I don't know, subconsciously, that's also why I started this fucking thing because it's like, we all have the, we all have some rotting shit inside of us that we're afraid to look at. Like we all yeah. have that. We just all have it. Like no one has perfect insides, perfect soul. Um, it's it's well can i ask you a question yeah please how do you feel at the end of every one of these episodes like when you're done recording them how do you feel usually um connected is the first word that came to mind like Mm. i thrive on -on one-on-one connection it's i fail miserably at like you know tweets and shit like that it just that just doesn't i think that's like a hellscape for me it's like my nightmare so uh, connection is is number one there's some catharsis um and it varies. It just depends on. I'll I'll probably beat myself up as like the next thing of like ah, I talked too much or I didn't get to this question or I didn't ask this 
concisely enough or I felt bad about this thing. And, you know, so usually it usually goes like, man, I felt really connected to that person. I'm a piece of shit because I didn't do that. You know, I I didn't get to X, Y, and Z or, you know, whatever. But you have that brief moment of catharsis and connection, man. And like, Mm -hmm. I think, I think that's what we have to remind ourselves of sometimes is like, I avoid therapy sometimes, but then every time I go, I feel good afterwards for a little bit, a little bit. Yeah. Cause like you said, I'm just like you were like, anytime I feel good, my brain, my brain is a master. It's a master at doing what it does. It'll find a way to be like, man, that was so nice yep. that Anna did that thing for me. Mm-hmm. But why do I need that? Why do I mm-hmm. need Anna to do nice things? It's like, yeah. no, shut up, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> Wait, it was good. It was good for a second. Yep. It's the same shit, man. Laura's always just like, why do I have to tell other people about some of your accomplishments or why do I have yep. to, why can't you do it? Because I was like, I don't know, it just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel good. Yeah. I don't like to talk about that shit. I'm like avoidant and it's, it's a, it's a self-hatred thing that I've been, you know, obviously working on, but th- this whole thing is also selfish as much as I was like, oh, if I inspire one fucking person, it's also therapy for me too. Of to course. hear people that I know, like some close friends, people I don't know, like to have that connection of like, some people want to get into the shit too. Like we, we went deep today. Some people don't, you know, and I respect that too. I respect it. I respect everyone's fucking decision. Like, like even going back to suicide, it's like, there's no right or wrong in my eyes. It's like, whatever you get to that point, it's not like this was a good choice, bad choice. Even, even if it seems like it is, it's there's, there's no good and bad. It's all no. personal fucking experience. So I always become a little bit more empathetic when he, I hear a very specific story because I learn, you know what I mean? It's, it's another yeah. notch on my emotional intelligence belt that I go, oh, well, that person went through this, man. And there's that pain in the world. And it's not a comparative thing. It's not like, well, that person's worse off. I don't think that helps at all because that kind of that's also a way to deny your pain is like, well, that person has much worse than me, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's, that's, it, that, that, it helps nobody. It helps nobody. But I, I mean, I I don't think you should like, you know, I don't think you do. But like, I love that you feel like you get therapy from it because it's kind of like the same thing with like coaching for me. Mm-hmm. It's like I feel like I get better at improv when I coach because. Oh, 100 percent. It's such like and I feel like people don't know that. But I'm like, man, this is a selfish act because I'm just basically working on what i'm working on with three y'all like yeah <laughs> y'all are making and i go okay yeah. that's a mistake i'm not gonna make or okay i yeah. do do that or, okay i can see this and like all right i see you like it helps so much more to see it with somebody else and not have you know the the damage of doing it wrong it's a way to connect us I, man like we are a we are a fucking social species like we need that connection so if you see if you're in the shit with someone that's why like armies and fraternities and all like you're in the shit with someone like there's some level of like respect and trust that happens but then also a human connection it reminds us of our humanity when i'm in a coaching room i'm locked in and focused and i truly want to help people and you're seeing people stumble and you're like i've been there i have empathy for you i have empathy for you which is why like we (laughs) with that person that comes in i was like i'm gonna do everything you want like fuck you no man fuck up no Yes. Make a mistake. You <laughs> don't have mistake. to be perfect, please. No. <laughs> was there a situation on your journey so far where is something that you really wanted that you didn't get or like something you were really gunning for, or something that you had that you felt like you lost in the kind of entertainment business or has it been kind Absolutely. of like a steady Absolutely. up and down? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, man. I'm not I, – I mean, I just started getting quote-unquote wins. Like mm. I think one of the ones that – hurt the most 
mm-hmm. was probably, and I'm going to say this, and I know that I had no chance of getting it, and it's <laughs> not going to be a very crazy descriptive story, but it's okay. it was The Daily Show, oh, wow. and like my manager, or I think she was my agent at the time, mm-hmm. was just like, I mean, it was like, bro, like, you were it has been a dream of mine mm-hmm. to be a Daily Show correspondent. Yeah. Like, I watched that shit growing up, and, yeah. like, Wyatt Cenac is yeah. my fucking hero. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and it's weird now to, like, be, like, a couple of degrees of separation from him. Right, where, right. like, I say that to people, and they go, well, you know, he's just kind of a quiet, regular dude. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. no, you don't understand. And, and like, it was, like, it was, like, an obsession with him, too, because he is from New York mm-hmm. and then moved to Texas. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. like, it, it, and stuff like that. And like, he, he and I have like that similar, like mm-hmm. quiet, you know, dry mm-hmm. humor sense of sensibility. Mm-hmm. And all that. So like, he was like a hero of mine. So yeah, I, and then I learned that he was on Herald night mm-hmm. in LA. He mm-hmm. was on one of the first Herald teams in LA ever. Yeah. And like, so when I was on Herald Night, I was just like, man, I'm, I'm just copying Wyatt's career. Like, everything is happening. Like, <laughs> yeah. just like Wyatt. Just yeah. like Wyatt, bro. Yeah. And, like, I remember, you know, my I told my agent, like, all the time, like, Daily Show's a dream. Daily Show's a dream. And she messaged me. was just like, guess what? <laughs> the Daily Show is looking for people. And I flipped the fuck out, bro. I was so stoked. Yeah. I was so excited. Yes. And the what puzzle it was, pieces was, are coming together. Yeah, man. Mm-hmm. And what it was was it was a tape. You had to pick one of their scripts yep. and write your own original script. Yep. And like I had like my people like mm-hmm. read I read my script to people and everyone was just like, This is perfect for you. Like, <laughs> this is so you. And I recorded it. And my girlfriend at the time was also like, you know, submitting for it. And mm-hmm. so we like went together and recorded our tapes together. Yeah. And I remember the first place I went to go record my tape, for whatever reason, I just didn't feel comfortable. I think mm. the person I was dating at the time, we had an argument. This is how future minded I was, was just like, I'm going to New York. And she was just like, Well, if you got it and I didn't get it, could I move with you? And I didn't say yes. Right away. Fast enough, yeah. I don't even know if I said yes at all. <laughs> and we had a fight on the drive over to the self-tape place. I'll oh, never man. forget. Oh, and man. so I went into the recording and just, the, I don't know, man. Like, again, I'm not an actor. Mm-hmm. I don't like acting. I am very <laughs> much so the person that you talked about who <laughs> is very aware of when the camera is on them. Mm-hmm. And this dude, I just didn't feel the vibe with this dude. It was a white dude. Yeah. And I could tell that he didn't think that I was funny. Mm. And I just clammed up. Always a up. great environment. And, <laughs> bro, it was a hostile environment. And also, it was like one of those things. It was one of those dudes. I don't know. I don't want to say this. Maybe it's fucked up. But he was one of those dude, one of those nerdy dudes who's extra nice to women do you know what i'm saying yep he was just talking to my girlfriend in a way and being rude to me in a way i was just like i get it dude i know exactly what kind of dude you are yep you're fucking simp like and (laughs) like 
he, like just being oh like he would laugh super hard and mm-hmm. I, I, and then her shit was funny i don't want to say that her shit wasn't funny it was very funny yeah yeah, yeah. but the way he was laughing hella hard at it yeah and yep. then like just being dry for me i was just like man fuck this guy yeah. and again that could be my own shit maybe i wasn't on my game but mm-hmm. i just could feel the energy with this dude. you know you and, know yeah and so i sent the tape to my agent and she watched it and was just like, this is bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is bad, and I don't feel comfortable sending this. Oh, man. So then I hit up my boy Zig. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Zig, he's over at Airwolf and does a bunch of shit mm-hmm. over there. And he, mm-hmm. we, like, went to, like, the basement of UCB and just recorded it. And I just felt in my element mm-hmm. because Zig's my boy. He's my yeah. f- he's my friend. He's giving me tips. I got the suit on. Yeah. And I could just feel it. Like I yeah. felt like I was talking to Trevor Noah. Like I felt yeah. like I was like, you know, like Yeah. I felt like and I think one of the scripts I got was a Jordan Klepper script. Mm-hmm. And Jordan is like, that's another one of my dudes. Like yeah. I'm talking about like I'm I'm a fan of the opposition. Yes. Like that's yes. that's how deep I ride for for, for fucking He's Jordan. The best. Yes. And so and I loved your episode with him, by the way. Thanks, man. I like I felt like I nailed his voice because I watched it show so mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. And I fucking did, you know, my thing on it and sent it to my manager, my agent, and then didn't hear anything. Oh, man. Like they didn't, didn't send hear it anything. in? So we don't get to that. <laughs> so I just didn't hear anything. And then I remember that they hired Michael Acosta or whatever his right. name is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I that's know. how I f- knew that I didn't get it. <sighs> And I hit up my ma- my agent, and I was just like, yo, I guess I didn't get it. Mm-hmm. And she went, well, you know, that's just not the kind of job for you anyways. And what? I was like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, you know, your style of humor isn't exactly what they want out of a correspondent. You're more of a low energy type kind of guy. <laughs> and Fuck. I say that about myself now. Yeah, but up until that point, I had never heard that about myself, and now I say it as like almost like a defense mechanism, and me kind of being angry about it. Right, right. But she was just like, "Well, you know, you're low energy, and like that's not the kind of like you know, that's not what they're. You, I think you'd be better in a room or something like that." Huh. And it fucked me up forever, and I and I and I became convinced, and I and I think I know at this point that she yeah. didn't send that shit in. Yes, right. And that she didn't think that I was good enough for the job. And that really, really fucked me up. I don't know you too well, but I know when an artist is in the zone and feels it and has the talent that you have, they they didn't send it in. (laughs) Nah. (laughs) They didn't. She didn't send it. I don't even think she watched the second round. I think she was so disgusted with my performance. Made up her mind. That she was just like, this guy's not good for it. And just was just like, oh, great. And then didn't send it. Oh, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> and like, bro, in my mind, in my mind, I was in New York. You know what I'm saying? In my mind, yes. I was in yeah. New York City. And oh, I'm so pissed hearing this. <laughs> but but that's a failure on my part. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's a failure. And I really do own that failure because I do think that, like, if that was really my dream. Mm-hmm. I would have been texting her every fucking day. Right, right, right. Yeah. I would have been like, I wish that I had pushed harder. You know what I'm saying? Because like, 
I feel like I could have at least been on the staff or something. Like yeah, I, I right, like right, I, I, I right. truly don't think that I pushed enough like to the way what I do now. Like what I do now when I'm up for a job is I like I go on IMDb Pro and I go who do I know that's in the room? Who do I yeah. know that knows someone? Like, you know, all yep. the stuff that yep. I do now, yeah. I didn't do that then. Right. I just went, I sent in my tape. That's it. That's all I need to do. Right. Yeah. It's such a, yes. And now I, I've been there too, man, where it's like, I did the whole thing and it's like, if I really, really wanted this, I would have, I would have followed up. But I think it, like what you just said, like we were at a point in our quote unquote careers where we didn't totally know that. <laughs> you know yes. what I mean? Or <laughs> it's like, yes. wouldn't you tell yourself now to be like texter? <laughs> like, yes. dude, <laughs> but you didn't know you didn't. And it's, uh, yes, I beat, I beat myself up for that stuff about like past stuff like that. But it's also like, you have to come to some forgiveness to be like, man, did you fucking learn from that? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, who's to say what would have happened if I went to New York, you know, sure. like I could be dead. And but I do think like it was just such it was just such a dream of mine, man. And like yeah. I, it's just something that I like. I mean, till this day, I still love the show, and I sure. still love all those segments. I mean, I tweet, I even tweeted, I was like, Jordan, I respect you, I mm-hmm. respect your family, <laughs> I I need y'all to be safe, but I need you at that Trump rally. Like yeah. I tweeted that at him. I was like, I need you at that Trump rally, bro, because yeah. like, <laughs> he's so he's just so good at it. He's yeah. just so good at just talking to them and it's it, so quick man it's so quick but he almost i don't know if it's because he's white and they just trust the dude yeah. but how he's talking to them just gets them to tell on themselves and, yeah. and it's a it's a kind of humor that i really enjoy it's yeah. the same with wyatt of like how wyatt can just like say something so crazy mm-hmm. like all of his takes when he was a correspondent was like something really stupid <laughs> yeah. but he just says it in such a way that you're just like yeah, yeah i get uh-huh. it like <laughs> And that's just the kind of humor I've always enjoyed. And yeah. like, you know, I, I I think that, yeah, I just, that one was one that like really, really got to me. And I think another one that got to me, and it's not necessarily entertainment related, mm-hmm. but it was that I never made, I never made mod at UCB mm-hmm. as a writer. And you, you went and, out for that a couple of times or? Yeah, man. I submitted two, I submitted packets twice. Yeah. The, the first time I submitted a packet, I was just like, I had just gotten on. Mm-hmm. You know, Harold uh, Knight. Yeah. So, and I want to. I want to give a caveat. I have never taken a sketch class at UCB mm-hmm. ever. Mm-hmm. But in my mind, I didn't have to. Right. Because I had proven that I knew game. Right. I, I was on Harold Knight. Right. Right. And I was told that I knew game right. by my coaches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was told by the AD that mm-hmm. I understood game. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I wrote up this packet, and I just felt good, man. I just yeah. felt good about it. <laughs> I was with that same girl, and she was auditioning to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And she got into, like, the next round, and mm-hmm. I was just like, I can see it already. Yeah. We're fucking, you know, we're both on mod. And <laughs> it's like, we're going to be on it the same night. And yeah. We're going to be a power couple. You know what I'm saying? When you have those dreams, and you just, yeah. like, you're yep. just, like, steps ahead. You know what yep. I mean? Yep. It's part of the ride. I, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so I... With with writing, you don't hear until you hear. Yeah. And, you know, I got one of those emails that was just like, you were good, just not good enough this year. Yeah. And that broke me. Mm. And it broke me even harder because an ex of mine had gotten on mod. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I was livid. Yeah. 
I'm not even going to front. I was livid. <laughs> and my girl at the time was livid too. We were both livid. We we're like, how the fuck did she get on? And we didn't get on. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. then it also hurt because she wasn't on Harold. So she was just like, you don't have a right to be mad. Yeah. Because at least you still have Harold. But I'm like, I'm also mad. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah it sounds, it sounds like UCB, man. <laughs> yeah. And like that, that experience to me just like made me really, really upset. So but, you come, but you come back. You you tried again. Came back. Yeah. I tried again. So the next year, I decided not to audition. Uh-huh. Or not to submit a packet. Right. I was just like, I don't need to submit a packet, whatever. Yeah. Then I got my first writing job. I wrote for the Francesca Ramsey. She had like a sketch show at Comedy Central that I did a mini room for. Uh-huh. Which is like, you know, for people who don't know, you just write the whole Yep. You write the whole season before yep. it's picked up or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I got to do that for a few weeks. You know, Francesca and Becky Drysdale, they both hired me. And That's awesome. It was great. I told the AD at the time, I'm going to New York to write on a sketch show. Mm-hmm. Can I have a few weeks off of Herald Night to do that? She gave me a few weeks off. Mm-hmm. It was great. So in my mind, she knows that I'm a quality sketch writer <laughs> because I was being sent to New York. Yeah. to write another show. Now, again, I'm not saying that this is true. I'm just saying where my ego was at. That's <laughs> yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> and so I submitted a sketch packet of sketches from that show that I wrote uh-huh. that, again, I saw get laughs in the room. Yeah, I yeah. saw the motherfucker, what's that dude's name that's in charge of Comedy Central? You know who I'm talking mm-hmm. about. I saw mm-hmm. that dude himself fucking laugh. Yeah. I looked at him in the eyes. <laughs> Kent Alterman. I yeah, saw yeah, him okay. laugh. Yep. So I said, this shit is funny. I know this shit is funny. Yeah. I put my packet together. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Not, <laughs> not, not even, and here's what even hurts even more, bro. Yeah. Not even the, you were good enough, just oh, not Christ. good enough this time email. <laughs> yeah. Not even that. Right. At the time, and I'm gonna just tell you like how like how shitty I can be sometimes because I just feel like I have to be honest. Mm-hmm. At the time, like you know, to like past time because I you know I wasn't really making money, I didn't mm-hmm. have a job. I was just doing sketch three or one shows. Mm. So you're acting. In I them? was, I was acting in mm-hmm. them, right? Just for Tim Neenan, only for Tim Neenan. Tim Neenan is my dude. Tim Neenan asked me to do anything, I would yeah. do it. Every time with Tim Neenan, is just like, yo, I know it's hella last minute, but can you do this yeah, show? Yeah. I would be like, absolutely, Tim, I'll do it for you. <laughs> yeah. And there are people who I I was in their sketches. Yeah. And look, man, I, I, I'm going to sound so shitty here. I'm so sorry. But I was in their sketches and I went, your sketch wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> your sketch was bad. <laughs> and they got on. And that's how I'm feeling. And again, yeah, I don't think it's right. But that's how I'm feeling. I was just like, I'll see people. I was like, I was in your motherfucking sketch. Yep. And the only part that got a laugh was a line that I improvised. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you know, like that. Mm-hmm. That's where my ego was. Yep. That's where my ego was. And I saw them get on and I was very upset. Yeah. I was so upset, especially because I knew Jaquees, my mm-hmm. co host, was getting on. Mm-hmm. And we were just talking of like, man, me and you, if we on the same team, yeah. we're going to do this sketch. <laughs> yeah, we're going to yeah. do this sketch. <laughs> like, yeah. we were planning, again, with that planning shit that I do. <laughs> yeah. And. I didn't even get the you were good enough but not good enough this time email. Oh, Christ. And I was fucking livid. Uh, livid. But I hit get- that shit and I didn't say anything about it yeah. because two reasons. One, Ana got renewed. 
And I was happy for Anna, so I didn't want to like be like make it about me. Mm-hmm. And two, I was just like, well, you know, I want to be a TV writer. Is that mm-hmm. even my really my focus? Like, you know, I did yeah. that bullshit, but I was living, man. I'm not even <laughs> front. I was living. Yeah. How'd you get over that, man? How do you push past something like? Like, is is it just time for you? Like, do you do anything to like push past these kind of like setbacks? This kind of like. It seems like you stew in them. It seems like you do get the I anger stew in them. I, I, I got like, a little bit of Westbrook energy where I, I wear a chip on my shoulder sometimes. And it's not healthy. Yeah. But here's what's so crazy is a couple of weeks after that. Yeah. I get an email from this Fox show mm. that is looking for writers. And they're like, do you have a sketch packet? And I just submitted the mod packet. Oh, wow. Straight up. Word for word, same order, didn't change a goddamn thing. Yeah. Just literally, I, I feel like I literally went into my phone and just forwarded the, the like, you know how you can do that? Yes. You can just click on the attachment from one email yep. and send yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. That's what I did. <laughs> and I got that show. It's insane. And I was just like, fuck her. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I so. If you had, ro- so if you had rockets in your feet, you would have just fucking shot to the moon. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And like, but here's something I have to admit to myself and I have to think about. Yeah. I never went through the sketch program. Right. Is it fair? And that's just me, you know, being hard on myself and being honest with myself. Is it fair that there are writers who did their time mm-hmm. in that system of you have to, like, put in time to our thing? Pay dues. Yeah. And then I get to bypass all of that because mm-hmm. I was on Herald Night. Is that truly fair? I think it is. And I <laughs> I think it is because I go, I've been in similar position where it's like, how did this person get on it? I didn't, but I wasn't good enough. But it seems like for my whole thing, it was always like, this is a perspective thing. Looking back on it, I'm like, yeah, cut the line, man. If your mm-hmm. shit's good and you're funny, go on. Because I saw people, I saw them make the, I saw the theater make certain artistic choices back in New York where it was like, this person didn't go through the fucking thing. They're on like some people from Chicago. Jordan was one of them, you know, like middle ditch. These are undeniable talented people. Like, yeah, put them on the fucking stage. It makes everybody look better. But there was a ton of people that were like, fuck those people. Like we put in all this time, all this money, Mm. but that's where I go. Like, we'll suck it up. You know what I mean? I think, I don't think I was, I'm trying to think back and trying to think honestly, was I one of those people? I truly don't think so. I was like, you watch these people, you're like, they're fucking amazing. Like, you're like, okay, like, I can't say shit, man. Yeah. Like, they're good. So, I mean, you've proved, I don't know. I understand what you're saying. It's like, yeah, there is some sort of like pay your dues aspect of this or at least be in the community and be around people. I think sometimes is half the battle, but the other shit is like, do you want the best people up there? Put them up there. Like, put the best people up there. That's it. That, That's then true. It's not necessarily... It, that does not equal... That's true. You'll have the best show. It does not equal you'll have the best theater. It's just like you're upping your odds of the shit going better uh, if you put... And alchemy's like fucking elusive, man. Like, you can't... You don't know who the fuck's going to work well together. But if someone has undeniable talent, you find a fucking place for them. Period. Like, give them a shot. But then I go back to, like, you know, the whole thing of, like, how bad did I really want mod? Like, if I wanted mod and I knew that that could have been the reason the first time I didn't get it. Yeah, if I was take a myself, class, right, yeah. I know why didn't I take any of the classes? Like, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, why didn't I take any of the classes now? There's a part of me that was just like, well, you know, I didn't have the money. But I was in the internship program. Like, you know what I mean? I could have, 
I, they, I I think I had some credits. I could have done something. I but I'm always going to go like, why should you have to take the classes if you're shit? If you're getting hired professionally on professional sketch shows, it's not like you're getting hired in a, a random room. You're getting hired on sketch shows. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like you obviously have the talent where someone reads your shit and goes, "This is funny." I will pay them to do this rather than, you know, you kind of pay us to perform here. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a perspective thing now where I'm always just like, yeah, give them the fucking opportunity. They're undeniable. Put them on fucking stage. Yeah. Some people are going to yeah. be pissed. Some people are going to be pissed. Let them prove themselves again and see if they got the alchemy with this type of system. Like, cause sometimes people yeah. can come in from other theaters and just not totally gel or just have their own mm-hmm. style. And it's like, man, eh, that doesn't totally yeah. work or, and it takes some adjustment and shit like that. It's like, but at least give them a shot, man. If they're fucking good, unless they're f- complete dicks, but it's like, you're on a team already. They know, you know, yeah. the person, <laughs> you know, their talent. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't a, I wasn't a trouble starter. I mean, you know, yeah. I yeah. had my own fair, of drama on Harold Night, but I wasn't a trouble starter. You know what I mean? Like we all I, I got feel egos. Like, yeah, like, we all got shit, man. We're young. We don't know yeah, what the fuck we're exactly. doing. I mean, we it's not to take going like, on. The, like, come on. Like I've been on so many teams and I've seen so many different personalities and I was not perfect on any of those teams. And I had the fear of like people not fighting and wanting everybody to get along and trying to support everybody. But we're t- it's like everyone's individually growing while also trying to like support each other to grow. It's a real fucked up weird situation. And especially I, th- I felt like it, it was always a little different out here than New York mm-hmm. where, especially when I was kind of going through it when New York where it was like, no one really gave a shit about making it anywhere else. Like I was on Kate McKinnon's mod team, but she was really blowing up at that point. Like Bobby had just gotten on like, so people were oh, wow. moving and shaking, but like Abby and Alana were, my year and we were all kind of coming up together and no one no one had like busted out most people had just kind of moved to la that was the thing it's like yeah are you gonna move to la or not it wasn't like i'm gonna get on snl it was like then kate got on and bobby was there and like shit started happening people started getting hired in all sorts of places but so many of us were like let's go to harold night and like try to fuck up with fuck the forms up man like let's it was all about like the art of it. It was never about like the professionalism of it. Yes. And I felt like sometimes coming out here, at least when I did, there was a real focus on like industry and, you know, doing shows that were a little bit more focused. I mean, if you're if not wrong, is going to revamp, you're if not UCB is going to revamp, man. The one thing I was like, take some of our DCM shows and put them on fucking stage. Yes. Like put those late night DCM shows. Let's get weird again. Let's get like fuck industry. Let's get really down and dirty. Let's let's fail on stage. Let's do some fucked up shit and not just stand around and be lazy and and just kind of make jokes, inside jokes at each other. Like let's commit to a really fucking stupid bit. Go for it. That doesn't have a relation to a movie that's coming out or anything like that. All those bit shows are awesome, but I'm like, let's do some weird shit. Like that yes. makes no sense. Let's let's make More art, that. man. That's all I think that's why, yeah. you know, I was always like I was always on the train of and maybe this is my own bitterness, but I was like, Harold in, in LA is better, but Mod in New York is better. And like I, yeah. I and like I just feel like y'all are artists. Like I and maybe that's my own I like, don't know. No. I don't know. Hold it's on. a different vibe. Hold on. But here's here's why I want, here's why I say that. Is because again with the industry thing, like I just feel like y'all would take chances. Like I remember there was a spank that I saw that came in the mm-hmm. town. It was John Reynolds. Mm-hmm. And some yeah. other dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. And John Reynolds was the teacher, uh-huh. and other dude was a student. Mm-hmm. And it was the funniest. I promise you, Don. I, I've watched so many spanks. 
I have never laughed that hard in my life. And I was dating that girl that was in both stories. I was dating her at the time. And I was there to see her show. Mm-hmm. And I had to watch his show first that I almost yeah. didn't want to watch her show. I was like, I know it's not going to be as funny as what the fuck I just saw. Yeah. Like, yeah. it was so good. And yeah. I feel like you would never see. And I knew that you would never see a spank like that. Mm-hmm. from LA because everyone's spank is built around the idea of like this could be a TV show right. or this like you know what I mean like there was there's no there's there wasn't as much and there and that's not everybody that's not a blanket statement no of course no, no, no. you know there's like you know private street and fucking yeah we're generalizing you know, a vibe we're generalizing John Baxter and all that mm-hmm. stuff and like mm-hmm. I'm sure that there are people in New York who are trying to make web series to like you mm-hmm. know be bought into shows off of broad city success yep. but I just felt like when you see some of the dudes that come out of y'all scene, like yeah. there's just this freedom and risk taken to them that I don't see from out here. Where out here it just seems so much like, and I'm guilty of it. I mean, I was, yeah. I'm I'm sitting here being like, well, I should be on my night because I have television credits. <laughs> like you know what I mean? So like, uh, there's just this experimentation to the art of it all. Like you know, and it's. I think it's also. I just think it was like Abby and Alana hadn't blown up too much at that point. And it was just like, we were all, we were all just doing it to like get better at it and really push each other and kind of one up each other. There was just such like this weird competition, especially on Harold night at the time to be like, Oh, you did a fucking show backwards. Watch this motherfucking show. Two, two fucking Harold teams are going to team up right now and we'll do each other's second beats. Go fuck yourself. You know what I mean? It's like, there's just like a bunch of that stuff where it was, it was just doing this like, there wasn't any, yeah, I guess there wasn't a bigger picture, which is like both not great, but I think at the time to get your chops down and learn that risk-taking aspect, I think it's very mm-hmm. helpful. And a lot of New York people kind of came out here. I mean, one of them ran the theater and like, it's yeah. a couple of them ran the theater, right? So it's like, yes, I, I, I guess I was so in my head about that shit, but yeah, I mean, it's an interesting thing. Are you like a goal setter? You've talked about goals a bunch. Are you like, I'm a big, you write I'm a your big goals? goal setter. I'm a big goal setter. Write down my goals every year. Every year I write down my goals for that year. And it's like a checkoff list and I try and check mm-hmm. them off. Yeah. Uh, what what happens I, if you don't get to a goal? Like what happens if you if you it just do pushes to the next it just pushes to the next year. I, I have Love I have it. time. I have yeah. time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like I, when it's like a really important goal, what yeah. I do is I set a reminder on my phone mm-hmm. and it alerts me every day. So mm-hmm. when I was living in like that two bedroom apartment with other dudes mm-hmm. and it was disgusting. Yeah. I set an alarm in my apartment, move out, move out, get your own room. And like yeah. I think that it just helps me remember like everything that I'm doing is for that reason, right? Yeah, now. right. Like everything like and it just like it, it helps me focus in a way, even if it's subconsciously. And I believe in that shit, man. I believe in that subconscious stuff. Yeah. Like I'm not I'm not going to go as far as like the secret or mm-hmm. anything like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe I will. Cause I have, a, I have two different vision boards, but like, <laughs> I just believe that like you set your mind to that. I mean, it, yeah. there's a reason why NBA players do their routine for their free throws. Right. It is scientifically proven yep. that they do it mm-hmm. and it relaxes their body in the state yeah. that w- they accomplish their free throws at. Yeah. It's proven. They did that study like, where like people were like they've just visualized them hitting the shots like at night and didn't yep. practice them and they would hit more of a percentage. Yeah, it was insane. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
And like, so I'm, I'm a huge believer in that shit. Like, you know what I mean? I do the visualization. I do all that stuff because I do think that it helps. Yeah. And so I think it just, it helps me stay focused Yeah. on like, all right, this is what I'm trying to tend to do. Cause I also think in the same thing I tell people with dating is like it, when you don't know what you want, you'll put up with a lot of shit that you're not supposed to put up with because <laughs> yeah. you're not sure of what you want. Oh, that's great. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> so that's another reason why I keep the goals thing is because I know like if I'm doing some shit, like if my goal is to be an executive story editor mm-hmm. at the end of this year mm-hmm. and I see an offer that's saying staff writer, repeat that staff writer, mm. I'm not going to do that. Yep. Right. Because you're specific on what and you that want. Might be, exactly. Mm-hmm. And like, and I mean, it, it Obviously, someone might be like, well, are you, like, turning down jobs? No, I'm not turning down jobs. (laughs) No. I just, like, I'll take the – but I'll be like, let me see if I can get story editor. Or is this going to help me kind of trust that this show is going to repeat levels, right? Like, it's stuff like that. Like, like, you know, like, can I trust that this show is going to come back for another season or whatever it is? Like, that all goes into my decision factor. It's something that, like, I think, like, they they, they instilled into, into me my senior year of high school we all went on this class trip to florida and they gave us the gift of these notebooks and they said write down your one-year goals your Mm -hmm. five-year goals Mm -hmm. and your 10-year goals yep and like you know what i mean like i i have i've accomplished a lot of them like yeah that's not like crazy ones Mm -hmm. like you know what i mean like i definitely am behind on my 10-year goal of becoming a number one platinum selling rapper uh, <laughs> and winning an Oscar. Not quite there uh, yet. Those two, those two, you know what I mean? But hey, man, I got a couple, I got a, I got a couple more months. We'll see, bro. I don't know what, yeah. I don't know about the Oscar one, but I could, I could draw some tr- tracks real quick. If a vaccine comes but, tomorrow and you win an Oscar this year, bro, we know God if exists. That va- Don, if that vaccine comes tomorrow, <laughs> you should just edit, you should just edit the episode tonight just yeah. in case. Yeah. Just in case that, that shit drops. But no, I just think it's important to like just keep shit focused and understand why you're doing something. That's why I do yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. It's I, not even on some magical shit. It's just remembering what I'm doing shit for. Yeah, it's the energy of the focus. And I think that's where I've been fucked up in the past is not being specific on what I want. So you want everything, right? Yeah. Because you see people getting different. Yeah. Oh, that would look good. That would look good. It's like going in a candy store. And just being like, oh, man, there's a lot of sweets around. It's like, no, go in there for fucking Jolly Ranchers, man. Like, go get them, get paid, get the fuck out and start eating them. Like, like that's what you want, you know? So it's almost like the paralyzation of choice sometimes with creativity is is, is a bitch sometimes. And something that I learned from Fran on this podcast Mm. is don't write down goals that have to do with shit that's not in your control, like winning an Oscar. Yep. Or, you know what I mean? Or platinum selling record. Yeah. That shouldn't be the goal. The goal should be film a movie. Yeah, right. Or record an album. Yeah. Like, I think she said it about when people write, get an agent. Mm -hmm. That's not an attainable goal because it's outside of your control. Right. Now, you can write a good script. Mm Mm-hmm. Which gets you an agent. Exactly. Mm -hmm. But you can't put, write an eight, get an agent because that's not in your control. Yeah, it's such a great thing. It's like it's almost like it's less of a goal and more of a want, but to get to that Yes. to get to that want, you need to you need to lay the groundwork and the groundwork is in doing the art, is in doing the thing. And I think sometimes we'll get sometimes we'll make our goals very pretty and you know all laid out, but like get actually kind of putting 
pen to paper sometimes it takes a lot of uh you have to really believe in yourself and you have to really be focused on that shit and that's hard sometimes it's really it's hard to fucking do that if sometimes <laughs> Absolutely, man. If yeah. I can say one last thing, do it. No, and you like, say as much as you want. I don't give a shit. I I do. I'm not a Kobe Bryant fan. Mm. I respected. I respect him a lot more. Mm-hmm. You know, posthumously and all that stuff. Yeah, I don't think I said that right. But <laughs> humously, posthumously, posthumously. Thank you. Is that it? But I don't, like, know. I don't dude. I don't. Yeah, know I think. Either. I think it's a lot closer than what I said. I said posthomelessly. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, there's a story of when Phil Jackson came into coach the Lakers, Kobe comes into his office and is just like, yo, I want to win MVP this many times. Mm. I want to be first team all NBA this many times. I want this many championships, all this stuff. Yeah. And Phil goes, that's great. That's great. That's dope. Mm. But you can't control any of those things. Mm. Here's what you can't control. Mm. How good of a passer you are. Mm. How good your handles are. Mm-hmm. How good your shot is. How good your defense is. Yep. And I'm willing to bet that if you do all of those things, the rest will come. Yeah. And he was right fucking the last dance man shook me like how zen that motherfucker is he's a zen master and look he's still crazy and racist but he's a zen master (laughs) (laughs) is he is he really like a fucking i I did not he just like said some like thug comment about lebron james and maverick carter which is just like maverick carter is not a thug maverick carter is a bougie black man jesus christ (laughs) Uh, but i think phil is just from a different time and again maybe that's me giving these white people too much rope but he's just he's just old but but what he was giving kobe at that point was the lay the groundwork aspect of it like do what's in your control absolutely yeah absolutely yeah and like it's crazy the conversations that kobe finds himself in yeah (laughs) in that like everyone's just like well he's the great he only has one mvp he only has one season MVP. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. But we still put him in the GOAT conversation. So, like, yeah. Phil was right in a way yeah, that right. blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, I mean, to do things that's in your control, man, it's, oh, God, so many. I, I wonder, not to kind of bring it back to uh, one of our darker moments here, but, when Dwayne's dad said that to you, did do you go back to that ever? Or is that something you have to make peace with? Is that, that too much pressure to kind of, is that too much of a burden to hold on to? It was like, you got to do something with your life. Like, like, do you think you have, do you know what I mean? Like you said, you hit your goals. Like you hit a lot of your goals. Can you celebrate that? Is there, do you think yeah, about man, that stuff I, or is that too heavy? I think I, it's not too heavy, man. I think I have to, yeah. I really think I have to, because I think I have to appreciate you know, when I went to Uncle's funeral, like, you know, uh, Dwayne's dad's funeral mm-hmm. on Zoom or whatever, the way what was comforting was, and like, you know, like COVID had just hit mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So I was kind of depressed already. Yeah. But, you know, Dwayne's mom said to me, you have no idea how proud he was of you guys. Oh, wow. And of all the things that you guys are up to. Wow. And I mean, I'm getting yeah. emotional right now, but like, yeah. I I just feel like, you know, that's it for me. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. like, I think that that's that's enough, and it, it won't be always, but 
sometimes it's that's going to be enough. Does that make sense? It a hundred percent does, man. That to, to to just know that someone's forever memory of you, yeah, is being proud. Yeah, yeah, someone that you loved. Like there's love there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it was some random dude. If some random dude was just like, yo, I died, but I just want you to know I think that you're dope, I'd be like, that doesn't mean anything it's to me. It's a dude at the bar, but man. But the fact that it is, yeah, that dude at the bar. If that dude at the bar messaged me, it's like, yo, man, I've been following you ever since that moment. I don't know if you remember, we traded Instagrams, and I've I've realized, you know, you've done Arrow Night, you've written on a couple of TV shows. You made it pretty far. Also, I have cancer. I'm going to die in two days. I'll go, this means nothing to me. <laughs> Oh man, Edgar, this was awesome, dude. Thanks for I having me. I could talk man. to you forever, man. Um, <laughs> seriously, this was such a pleasure and uh, an honor to talk to you, man. Thanks for opening up. That's some oh, hard shit, man. And I uh, absolute, absolute honor to be on this yeah, podcast. Man. You're so beautiful. You, so you have a beautiful soul, me. and I'm I'm fucking happy oh, you're here, you, man. man. I'm really happy you're here. You too, man. Thanks, you man. too, man. Thank you for doing this podcast. I know it's coming in, but thank you so much for taking the time out to just talk to people. Thanks, this man. No, I appreciate it. That was Edgar Montplaisir. Thanks, Edgar, for capping off the regular series of The Need to Fail. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, you can catch Edgar co-host in the Culture Kings podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Episodes of his podcast, The Wokest, are on Stitcher Premium. You can go to edgarmontplazier.com for vids uh, or all things Edgar. He's on Twitter at Edgar Montplaisir. I'm on Twitter at Don Finelli or at The Need to Fail. Questions, concerns, failure, stories of your own, email me, theneedtofail at gmail.com. All things need to fail, aka my one design. You can head over to T Public, get some merchandise. Just search the need to fail or Mahalo Your Dreams or check out my social medias for the link. And why not rate and review the show on iTunes and Stitcher and tell all your faily friends to do so as well? That's it for me here. We got all new failures coming at you next week. Thanks so much for listening. My name's Don Finelli. Mahalo Your Dreams. This has been a Forever Dog production. Executive produced by Brett Boehm, Joe Cilio, and Alex Ramsey. For more original podcasts, please visit foreverdogpodcasts.com and subscribe to our shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Keep up with the latest Forever Dog news by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Forever Dog Team and liking our page on Facebook.